Hey, this is Pastor Dusty. Welcome to the Messages and Messengers podcast. I hope it's meaningful to you and your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Good morning, Plymouth Nazarene in-house and online. I'm Pastor Dusty, and he is risen. All right. Hey, do you know what this is? Can you identify that wondrous piece of architecture? Has anyone ridden the Millennium, Millennium Force? Yes. All right. Would you recognize the Maverick, the Iron Dragon? How do you put that experience into words other than painful and not recommended if you're over 35? Um, I made that mistake a number of years ago. Uh, Isaiah and I went on a father-son trip, and it had been like at least 15 years since I had been to Cedar Point, and I didn't realize your equilibrium does not recover as fast as it did when you were 18. So it was a great father-son trip, but um, not so much for me. Um, So now you could be a big fan of Cedar Point. You could go every year. You could have a season pass. You could eat the fries with vinegar. You could watch the magic show. You could have a keychain of the newest ride. You could have the map memorized. You could identify every coaster by shape and color, but not actually have ridden a roller coaster in your life. Or maybe you rode the Blue Streak once when you were a kid, and hey, that's good enough. That's what roller coasters are like, right? Or maybe 10 years ago, as you were waiting in line for the Gemini, somebody spit gum in your hair, and it ruined your experience for roller coasters. And you decided, you know what? Theme parks are not for me. I'm never going back, and everybody that goes is jerks. Knowing that Cedar Point is in Sandusky is critical to getting there. But you still got to get in the car and drive. Knowing how tall the Magnum is and what year it was built is not the same as experiencing the wind through your hair or beard as you ride it. (laughs) Now, it's pretty unlikely that you have never before today heard the fact that Jesus died for your sin. You may even know some stories about Moses or David or Peter and John and have a few verses memorized, but are you experiencing the resurrected life? I have lots of good memories of going to Cedar Point as a kid, but those memories don't put me on a roller coaster this summer. Maybe you have memories of worshiping God in church with your family as a kid, but those memories are not enough to live a resurrected life today. You don't want to just have memories of a vibrant life with God in the past or hope that someday in the future there's a hope for a life with God. You want to experience eternal life now. Jesus wants you to experience eternal life now in the present. So today we're going to look at three characters that had very, very different experiences on that Resurrection Sunday. And they had very different personalities. But before we get there, here's a quick backstory of the gospel. We've been looking at the story of Jesus as it's told in Luke's gospel. It begins with the arrival of an unlikely king born in poor, humble circumstances. Then we saw Jesus as a teacher, prophet. He went throughout Israel calling people to a radical way of life, where enemies become friends, the poor are cared for, where people find forgiveness for their failures. 
He went from town to town inviting people to follow him and live under God's reign in this upside-down way. And he did many signs and wonders, so many Israelites began to hope that he would rescue Israel from the Romans and set up a new kingdom of peace and justice. In short, that he would bring the kingdom of God. Now, the religious leaders of the day were also hoping for God's kingdom. But to them, the message of Jesus was a threat. Yeah, they had expected to gain power and prestige when this all went down. But Jesus said God's kingdom belongs to the poor, to the outsider, and that real power is serving others in love. This conflict intensified when Jesus, while in Jerusalem, disrupted the temple sacrifices and called Israel's leaders a gang of rebels. So they arrested Jesus, and they had him accused before the Roman authorities of being a rebel king. He was handed over for execution, even though he was innocent. Then he was taken outside the city put to death on false charges. This brings us to the final section of the Gospel of Luke. There was a religious leader named Joseph who opposed Jesus' execution and then requested to be given his body so he could bury Jesus in a nearby tomb. And then a couple of days later, some women who had followed Jesus came to visit that tomb and they found it open and empty. And they encountered these mysterious figures telling them Jesus was alive from the dead. So they run away terrified. Nobody believes their report. I mean, he can't be alive. They all saw him die. Now, just outside of Jerusalem, a pair of Jesus' followers were leaving the city, traveling on a road to a town called Emmaus. And they were sad and confused about everything that had happened. Then Jesus shows up, walking alongside them, but they don't know it's him. Yeah, that's weird. Why couldn't they recognize him? Yeah, it's an odd but really significant image for Luke. They're blind to Jesus for some reason. So Jesus asks them, what are you guys talking about? And they begin to tell him about Jesus, a powerful prophet who they expected would rescue Israel, but was instead executed. Some women say he's alive, which is crazy. It's all too much. We're going home. So Jesus tries to explain that this is what the Jewish scriptures had been pointing to all along that Israel needed a king who would suffer and die as a rebel on behalf of those who actually are rebels. And then he would be vindicated by his resurrection so he could give true life to those who would receive it. But it's still not making sense. They're as confused as ever. Which leads to the scene where they sit down for a meal with Jesus. He takes the bread, he blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them, just as he did at the Last Supper. Yeah, this is the image of his broken body, his death on the cross. And it's when they take in the broken bread, that's when their eyes are open to see Jesus. Then he disappears and the episode's over. So this is a story about how it's hard to see Jesus for who he really is. Yes, this is brilliant. I mean, how could God's royal power and love be revealed through this man's shameful execution? How could a humble man become the king of the world through weakness and self-sacrifice? It's very hard to see. But this is the message of the Gospel of Luke. It takes a transformation of your imagination to see it and embrace Jesus' upside-down kingdom. The Gospel of Luke ends with Jesus and all of his disciples together over another meal. And everyone's freaking out about his resurrected body. I mean, he's still a human, but way more. Yes, he's passed through death and come out the other side, a walking, talking piece of new creation. And then Jesus tells them that he's going to give them the same divine power that sustained him so they can go out and share the good news of God's kingdom with other people. After this, Luke tells us that Jesus was taken up into heaven, which is a cool exit and all, but 
Why disappear into the sky? So in the Old Testament, the skies are the place of God's throne. They're above everything. So this is Luke's way of showing that Jesus has been enthroned as the divine king of the whole world. His followers stay in Jerusalem, worshiping God and Jesus, waiting for this new power. And this is where the gospel ends. Now, Luke is going to write about how they receive this power and take the news out into the world. And that's what his second volume, the book of Acts, is all about. All right, so that's how we got here today. So if you have your Bible, open up to John chapter 20. It'll be on the screen for you. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken away the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, where the cloth that had covered Jesus' face and his head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first went in, and when he saw, he believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said that Jesus must rise from the dead. So there's three very different characters here. Mary Magdalene, Peter, and the other disciple, John. They have different backgrounds, they have different personalities, they have different strengths and flaws, and yet... They all follow the same Jesus. You don't need to be like the person sitting next to you to be a disciple of Christ. You don't need to dress like them. You don't need to vote like them. You don't need to read the same Bible translation they do. You don't need to serve in the same ministry that they do. You do, however, have to come humbly to God, acknowledge your sin, surrender to the Holy Spirit, and allow Jesus to transform you from the inside out. When you give God full control of your life, you will see him start to renew and restore not only you, but your family, your relationships, and the world. So these three followers of Jesus were very different, but God used each of them in mighty ways. Peter was a throw caution to the wind, act without thinking, make things happen, emotional kind of guy. You can't make an omelet without cracking some eggs. Uh, he told Jesus, you'll never go to the cross. Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan. When the guards came for Jesus, Peter took out his sword and a servant named Malchus, he cut off his ear. Now, you don't try to cut off someone's ear. You try to cut off their head and they turn just enough to where you catch their ear. In trying to protect his friend, Peter missed exactly what God was doing. He didn't understand the purpose of the cross, and he definitely didn't see the resurrection coming, even though Jesus mentioned it to him face to face numerous times before. Some of us are like that. You've got energy, passion. You make things happen. But you can miss what Jesus is doing in things like surrender, grief, loss. The cross was not an optional part of the plan of God. And Peter was trying to help Jesus by skipping that part. 
Well, with all of his mistakes and impulsiveness and even denying Christ numerous times, Peter still became a world changer. Jesus trusted this highly imperfect man with all of his issues to bring the gospel and healing and freedom and restoration to thousands of people and plant churches that would long outlast him. Are you like Peter? Are you someone that runs headlong into life? You have lots of passion, but also lots of regrets. God didn't change Peter's personality. He worked with his strengths and used others like Paul to balance him out. So, go get things done for the kingdom of God, but don't miss Jesus in the silence, in the stillness, and in the patience that you want to skip. Let's go back to John 20. So Mary ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken away the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, and the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, and while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and when he saw, he believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. So John is reserved. He doesn't even use his own name in the book that he is writing. He gets to the tomb first, but he doesn't go in. He's contemplative. He's calculated. He's behind the scenes. He was the fastest runner, but he wasn't the first to act. He follows Peter into the tomb, and then he believes. Do you remember John at the Last Supper? He's laying his head on Jesus' chest. He just wants everything that Jesus is to be how his life is. Now, maybe this is a bad analogy, but my dog is like that. It doesn't matter if I'm working on my laptop, drinking coffee, or getting ready for bed. He's got to be within a one-foot bubble of me at all times. Uh, it doesn't matter what we're doing or where we're going or where we're going. He's in. Walk around the neighborhood. All right, let's go. Doing some yard work or home, re home repairs? Count me in, but I'll probably try and steal the tools while you're working with him. Preparing dinner? Oh, he's sitting right on my feet, hoping that I drop some cheese on the ground. So it's all about presence. Whatever I'm doing, Winston the dog wants to be there doing it too. And that's the Apostle John. I don't think he cared about the square footage of the room, the decor, or the menu at the Last Supper. Jesus was there, and he wants to seat right next to him. That's all he cares about. John goes on to write five books of the Bible, become the oldest living apostle. He becomes so respected that when he could no longer even walk, they would carry him in to speak at a church. And it would get absolutely silent as they were waiting for what this wise man, the friend of Jesus, would say. And everybody would wait patiently, and he would muster all of his breath and say, My little children, love one another. And that was it. That was his sermon. Not to one church, to every church. That was it. 
You wheeled in John, you got the same sentence. That's how he lived his life. So John is essentially the anti-Peter. He's reserved, he's quiet, he's behind the scenes. Is this you? You love being close to Jesus, but you don't often speak up. You have the ability to outrun someone like Peter, but apprehension stops you from going into the tomb, from being first to act. If this is you, know that God has great plans from you, for you. Don't compare yourself to the outspoken Peters in your life. Stay close to Jesus and let him speak to and through you. Hear his voice and communicate it to the people that God has trusted you with. John's writing have brought life and the life-changing good news to billions of people because he was willing to be humble and obedient. Now, there's a third person in the story, and that was Mary Magdalene. She was the first person that the risen Jesus reveals himself to even before his own disciples. So not long before, she was filled with seven demons, and now she is given the privilege to announce that Jesus has risen to the world. Look at John 20. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have yet not ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And she gave them this message. Are you a Mary Magdalene? Crushed by the worst loss of her life, her dearest friend and spiritual leader. Jesus had been killed. She goes to pay her respects, and the body is gone. She assumes stolen, which just adds insult to injury. She absolutely could not see what God was up to. And yet, this was the most important event in history, the resurrection. Mary experienced God's presence, but she didn't even know it at first. Once Jesus called her name, her fears were gone and her hope was restored. Maybe you've recently experienced the loss of a loved one and you just cannot see where God is at work in your life. Maybe he's there right with you while you're crying and you can't see him, just like Mary. So what changed for her? It all changed when Jesus called her by name. Have you heard Jesus call your name? I'm sure you've experienced his presence throughout your life. But once you hear him come to you personally, your fears are gone and your hope is restored. I want to invite you to hear his voice and follow him today.
So I'll ask you again, are you a Peter? Are you impulsive and reckless, out of control on your own, but an unstoppable force for the kingdom of God when fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Are you a John, reserved and quiet, happy to just be in the background, maybe not very quick to act, but a powerful pillar of the church, influential in the lives of so many when you allow God to use your words and your life? Or are you a Mary Magdalene, a demon-filled past, emotionally broken over the loss of a loved one? And yet, this is exactly the person that Jesus chose to bring the good news of the resurrection to the world first. Your past and your present don't disqualify you from a hope-filled future for you and for those around you. Listen for Jesus' voice. Hear him call you by name today and bring the good news that Jesus is alive to your world. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Let's go back to John 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and at his side. They were filled with joy as they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so... I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. That is exactly what Jesus is offering to you and to me today. Peace by receiving the Holy Spirit. Are you experiencing that peace today? Let Jesus breathe on you. You remember the name of this roller coaster? Do you know how to drive to Cedar Point? Do you know where it's located in the park? Do you have your season pass? None of that is actually the same as riding the Millennium Force. You have to experience it. Don't just hear these stories about Peter, John, and Mary today. Experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus for yourself today. There's no formula. There's no secret prayer or religious action. Jesus invited his followers 2,000 years ago the same way that he does today with two simple words, follow me. That doesn't mean just mentally agreeing that Jesus is the Son of God. It doesn't mean just raising your hand to someone else's prayer. It means actively living a life led by Jesus. When he was on the earth, it meant we're going town to town, sharing meals, scripture, healing, comforting, and challenging people and their relationship with God. That was not just a personal, transactional decision. That was relational action. In 2023, following Jesus means sharing meals, scripture, healing, comforting, challenging, and comforting people and their relationship with God. Jesus isn't looking for people to simply agree with him. He's looking for people to follow him. Will you take a step today and have your life reflect his? Say yes to Jesus and take relational action.
I invite you to stand. Let's pray together. Just take a moment to be silent before the Lord. Allow him to speak to your life. Father, we come to you today humbled by your love. Humbled that you would send your sinless son, not just to teach, not just to set the example, but to pay the price for sin that we could never pay. Lord, we want to live lives in light of the cross. We want to live lives in light of the resurrection. We want to live lives filled with the Holy Spirit. We are unwilling to be people that just try and play the religious game. We want to take relational action. We want to be world changers. We want to be people that actually follow you. We want to do more than just agree with the things you said. We want to live them. We want our lives to be shaped and formed by your word and by your spirit. We are very different people. Just like Peter, John, and Mary, we're very different people. You created us uniquely, and you have special places in the kingdom for each of us. Use us to bring the good news to a hurting and broken and confused and dark world. Let us make a difference with the time we've been given. Help us to hear your voice today and to follow you with relational action. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to connect further, you can head on over to PlymouthNazarene.com.